Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Wow, Eddie LeBeck. Sure is exciting seeing a sports figure in real life. <laughs> what, about, what about me, Woody? Well, I can't speak for you, Sam. I only know I'm excited. and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and with me to discuss part one of the two-parter that introduces a brand new character into the life of Cheers, and especially to Carla, he's the host of Mr. K's Super Show, Chris Karam. Welcome back, Chris. Ryan, thank you for having me here. Glad to be back. Yeah, as I mentioned, uh, this is a two-parter episode. You will be my guest, uh, foreshadowing for the audience, uh, on both of these parts. Um, we get a character who, actually, when I looked it up, he doesn't appear in as many episodes as I remembered, but he does kind of cast a long shadow on the series. And uh, I, I'll introduce him just when I when I get into the episode. So so let's do that now. Uh, this is season five, episode sixteen, "Never Love a Goalie," part one. This one is written by Ken Levine and David Isaacs. It was directed by Jim Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, January 29th, 1987. Eddie Lebeck, the new goalie for the Boston Bruins, comes to cheers. Carla, initially tongue-tied, manages to take his order and eventually open up enough that the two of them hit it off. A charmed Eddie offers Carla his tickets to that night's game, and she brings Frazier, who is depressed over the death of a chimpanzee famous in the psychiatric profession. After Eddie's triumphant performance on the ice, he comes back to Cheers to see Carla again. He asks to see her, you know, more romantically after that, and Carla daringly confesses that she has six kids. That doesn't scare Eddie off. In fact, he kisses her. It seems that Carla Tortelli may have finally found the perfect man for her. Except during the next game, Eddie misses a block in the final seconds, ending the Bruins' winning streak. Was this a fluke or an ominous warning that Eddie's romance with Carla may doom his career? We'll find out the answer to that in the second part. And in the show's B-plot, Diane is called for jury duty, but she can't really talk about the case unless you ask her. Or even if you don't, she'll tell you all about it anyway. All right, Chris, what did you think of Never Love a Goalie Part 1? I think this was a good episode. Uh, I think the character of Eddie Lebeck, he's very uh, he's very endearing. He's very charming. Seems, you know, kind of down to earth, not too pretentious. Um, and it's funny to see a man that can make Carla Tortelli become tongue-tied. I mean, <laughs> she, yeah, she's like a teenage girl, you know, having a crush and she can't, she can't even speak to him at first. And then when she does speak, she initially lies about her age, uh, having kids. Eventually she comes clean, but it's just funny how she, he's got her tongue tied, but I think this is very good. I, I think the plot, the B plot with Diane is good too. I think that will take on even more weight with the next episode, but I, you know, you're right. Yeah. She won't tell anybody about this case unless you ask her. And, and she seems to, go up to people sometimes in some cases, just total strangers who are in the bar to try and engage them to, you know, to talk about it. And nobody's interested. That's the funny thing about it. Sam doesn't care. Um, you know, but I think overall it's a, it's a very funny episode. 
uh, th- like you said, this is a character who does cast a long shadow, and he's going to be part of this uh, show for quite a while, um, you know, as a recurring character. Yeah, and um, Eddie, of course, uh, if anybody didn't know, is played by the actor Jay Thomas. This is he. He only appears in nine episodes over the next uh, couple seasons, um, which surprised me. I thought he was in more than that. But um, prior to this, he had been in Mork and Mindy. Uh, he he was very well established when he came out of the show, and then right around the same time and later on, he goes on uh, as a guest star on Murphy Brown. I think he won a couple of uh, Emmys. Uh, in that show. And he was also, he, he was a well-known comedian. He, a lot of people, I think, besides this, actually might know him for, he had this recurring bit where he used to go on the late show with David Letterman almost every Christmas uh, or around that time. He would go on the show and they would do like kind of these whole routines. And he told this this famous story uh, involving the Lone Ranger and him and everything like that. Uh, and he kind of, and you can YouTube these. There's like seven versions of the story because he kept on going on the show every year. But he's a very, very charismatic actor. He, he just passed away, I think, 2000, what did I read? 2017. So it was longer mm-hmm. now than I thought it was. Um, but I, I always liked him. I, I always, I, I thought he had a kind of a great presence, a great sort of comedic timing and he was good. And this, this role actually seems kind of very different for the type of character he is. Like he's much more, I mean, even though Carla is tongue tied when she sees him, he's not the type of person that you would get nervous around. He's very kind of like meeky. We find out very, very early on. He's very superstitious. He, he's not a big kind of boisterous, you know, what you might think of as a hockey player. He's kind of subdued, a little bit shy and, and, and meek or timid at, at certain times. I think they do a great job. I think they, they have a good chemistry and a good rapport at the beginning. I'm glad that Carla being sort of starstruck at first, I'm glad they didn't drag that out. Like it could have been like the cliff thing where like he just can't talk to women and like if that had been the case, it would have gotten really old really fast. But I think they did it just enough for us to know that there's something about him that this is different than every other guy Carla sees. You know, because Carla usually doesn't have a problem picking up guys at the bar, but this one is different, and I think that tells us maybe something that we we can kind of be rooting for. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's nice to see Carla. Um, meeting up with a nice guy for a change instead of some guy who's just going to, well, you know, get her pregnant. Well, I shouldn't say that, but you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> in the past, you know, she, she hooked up with, I, I think I believe it was, it was one of Diane's uh, professors or. Uh, uh, Frazier's mentor. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Frazier's mentor. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Okay. I was, yeah. And, you know, yeah. obviously somebody who she doesn't really have much in common with other than probably just having a case of the hormones. Um, right. He's like, he's down to earth. He's very genuine. He's a sweet, kind of a sweet guy. Uh, no guile about him. So it's nice to see Carla just kind of falling for someone normal for a change. Someone a little more in her ballpark, you know, like you don't have a hard time seeing them together because they seem pretty well matched. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And actually, she kind of, before she approaches him, when they first recognize him, when he comes in the bar, Carla kind of does this little mini monologue about the, the type of guy she likes. She's like, some people like the, you know, the, the star players, the hitters, the, the scores, the, you know, the star quarterbacks, the Sam Malone type or the Tom Brady type or something like that. If Carla, and this is supported by her taste in men like Nick, like Nick Turkelly, she yeah. says she likes the grunts, the goalies, <laughs> the catchers, the guys who wear masks, guys who take a lot of hits to the face and the body 
with scars and broken noses and mashed teeth. God, they're sexy, she says. <laughs> you see, yeah. you see Frazier and the others looking at her like, wow, this is her type. But they're like, yeah, we kind of already knew that that was her type, didn't we? Well, yeah, especially with Nick. I mean, Nick, I mean, you, you got to <laughs> yeah. give, um, I forget the, the actor's name who played Nick Tortelli. You probably remember. Dan Hedaya. Yeah. Dan Hedaya. He played Nick Tortelli to, like, to the nth degree, like to the point where he's like sleazy. He's kind of a scuzzball. But yet somehow when you see him work his magic on Carla, she's like putty. And which usually means that in about, you know, within a half an hour, she's going to be pregnant again. <laughs> Where, you know, you don't get that with Eddie. I mean, you, you just kind of get the impression that okay, he really likes her, she really likes him, and there's there's some chemistry there. But yeah, I I did like that line about you know I like the grunts, and and you can definitely see that with Carla because she's not exactly she's not exactly going to go for the for the Fraser type. Right, right. This episode has a good teaser that I like. It's one of those teasers that you could slot in anywhere, but it's a really good joke. Um, it's clo- Sam is like, it's closing time. Norm, but you guys got to get out of here. And Norm has this great dot line. Like, he looks at his watch. He's like, wow, it's hard to believe 17 hours could slip by that quickly. Like he's literally been in there since opening and now closing. Um, and as on their way out, Woody's like, hey, don't forget to set your clocks back. It's daylight savings and everything. And they have to do like, okay, what does daylight saving which way is the clocks going and everything and they figure it out that oh so it's actually only 1 a.m and norman cliff have this knowing look <laughs> between yep, them and, yep. and cliff is like set them up sammy <laughs> it's like we still right. got another hour to drink yeah and sam just goes along with it sam doesn't even try to yeah he's it. like oh you, you, you found the loophole what am i gonna do tell you guys you can't drink and, and the funny <laughs> thing about it like i agree with you ryan that's a great line it's a great kind of you know kind of throwaway opener because you think about it 17 hours is seven hours short of a day they've been there essentially an entire day (laughs) pounding down beers and you know rambling on god knows i mean how many how much uh you know uh norm had to listen to from cliff but you know again just the fact that anybody could sit at a bar stool for 17 hours is just mind-boggling but this is cheers and you know we know that norm spends pretty much every waking hour i mean to the point where he's never home we i don't even know if he's working at this point and if he is i don't know when he goes to work because I mean, granted, we only see like really a half hour of time, you know, a little, you know, going kind of going back and forth. It's not it's not like a half hour of real time. It's kind of like, you know, spread out. But still, we have to assume that if they were there 17 hours, that's probably the entire time the bar was open. (laughs) Well, we we will find out, I think, in a future episode that the floor of the bar is permanently warped underneath Norm's stool. So. I think that's a little bit telling, yeah. And then as the show, as the episode proper opens, before we meet Eddie, uh, Frazier comes in depressed. He's actually in mourning now because of the loss of Bombo, the chimpanzee. And as he explains to Sam, Bombo was the the, an ape from this for this uh, noted uh, behavioral theorist who used uh, apes and primates to study parenting and childcare among humans and, and animals and things like that. And so this. Bombo something was something that Frazier knew and studied. He Frazier actually refers to him in quote as a colleague of sorts when he <laughs> says, you know, I lost I lost a colleague of sorts. And he's explaining this to Sam and everything. And Sam is like, you know, giving listening, you know, dutifully. And he's like, he wants a drink to help him forget his sadness. Yeah, yeah. And Sam's like, how about a banana daiquiri? <laughs> yeah, and Frazier just gives him that look to say, yeah, okay, all right, you know. And and I like that look because Frazier was like, Okay, you're giving me a hard time, but also I think Frazier appreciated that 
that was kind of a smart that was kind of a good line from sam like he, he's like you know he wasn't just thinking any beer like he made the connection of a, a the, the chimpanzee and a banana and everything so i think fraser kind of appreciated the mental leap to get to there so that was that was a good one yeah. for sam yeah one thing that's great about this point in the show is that you know when fraser came on obviously he was really tied to diane he was her former therapist mm-hmm. and boyfriend but now he's he's there on his own. He's there independent of Diane. He, in fact, has has established a friendship with Sam. And and strangely enough, in his own way, he kind of fits in that bar. I mean, he's sometimes he's a bit of a misfit because of his, you know, he's intellectual and he's, you know, kind of advanced in his thinking. He's he's a bit of a snob by his own, you know, kind of design. But he really does fit. And, you know, it's kind of mind-boggling to think that. Frazier was originally conceived as kind of a, you know, maybe a one-shot character, a short-term character, and now he's a regular. I mean, he's been on the show for mm-hmm. this is his third season, and now he's in the opening credits, and you know, he's become part of that group and an integral part of that group. I mean, he he'll and, and we'll see that. Yeah, we'll see that advance even a little bit further in these two episodes, just yeah. uh, by a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, then Diane comes in and she is in the opposite mood of Frasier. She is all beaming and excited. And she mentions that she's been called to jury duty. And, and she actually, she's like, I'll be proud to serve on a jury of my peers or so they'll think. And she kind of laughs at herself. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, God, perfect, Diane. Yeah. Perfect Diane line. I mean, she, you know, yeah. Shelly, uh, I, I'm almost, I, I think I said this on my episode, the, the previous episode that I was on, my favorite era of cheers is the first five years not that i don't appreciate the 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 christy alley years because they have their own merit it has its own merits and it was a great show but there's just something about shelly long she's one of the few people who can say that line and pull it off with authority you know she thinks that that much of herself she really sees herself as this you know intellectual she's kind of a snob and you know again that was a line that was a line that stood out to me and by this point, we know her so well that we don't think any less of her for that line. Oh. We probably we probably don't think any more of her because right, it's a horrible right. thing to say. But we certainly don't think any less of her. So it's just it's like yeah, yeah, that's Diane. I get it. You know, it's funny. I, I'm often fond of saying how I'm fond, you know my favorite era of the show is the Shelley Long years, you know, uh, one through five. But I'm starting to, especially with this season, because I did a dedicated rewatch of the show from the first episode. I'm I started to notice that uh, the Shelley, I mean, the Sam and Diane relationship is is kind of kind of um, it's run its course. You you can see it. There's yeah. a certain kind of tension and magic. I mean, don't get me wrong. Shelley Long and Ted Danson have great chemistry together, and they'll have some good moments this season. But her leaving at the end of the season kind of actually, in a weird way, does the show a favor in the long term because it forces them to bring in somebody else, a new dynamic, a new character. Now, obviously, I'm sure the writers would have found a way to make it work had she stayed on the show. Most likely they would have gotten married. And But don't get me wrong. I, I you know, when she left, I, I was, you know, one of those people who was concerned about the show's future. But, you know, she left for whatever, you know, she felt she had because going to have a movie career. But. I still, I, I don't get me wrong though. When, when she says a line like this, you, I just fall in love with her all over again. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. She's so Diane. Um, so then we we meet Eddie, and Fraser doesn't know who he is. The gang has to explain it to Fraser, and that's also that's a great storytelling tip because 
in them explaining who it is to Frazier, they're also telling the audience. So we know that he's this new goalie and he's uh, been traded to Boston. He's having a good run and everything like that. And Carla does her whole thing by the type of guy. Uh, she's like, and yeah, she, she goes up and he has this very specific type of drink order and she kind of bumbles it and everything and, and needs to get a second win. But I like that when she goes back the second time to talk to him, um, she's, she is up front. She's like, I'm sorry I got tongue-tied, but I'm, I'm a big fan of yours. And she starts to recite his whole career history with yeah. when he was drafted, uh, the different teams that he's played on, his career highlights, two games that he was suspended in from different years and everything like that. And she mentions that his favorite number is 5557843. And he's like, what is that? And she's like, where I can be reached tonight. And I was like, perfect segue for Carla. That was just a beautiful drop in or whatever to how to flirt with him. I love that bit. Yeah, it, it's a perfect line. And she, and you know, Rhea Perlman just says it, you know, without any guile, it's just like, you know, here I am, call me. She's not playing hard to get. I mean, not that Carla ever played hard to get, obviously. <laughs> right. But, you know, the way she just kind of effortlessly, ro- you know, ro- that rolls off her tongue as she's kind of, you know, as she's getting her gumption back, she's getting her confidence back. And yeah, that was a brilliant, brilliant, uh, you know, segue, just a, a nice way to kind of set the tone for what's to follow. And he gives her his tickets, like they, they kind of hit off. He's like, he doesn't know anybody else, but you're, yeah, he's like, here, take my two tickets for the game. So she goes back and she's really excited. And Sam is like, don't you have to work tonight? He's like, I have to work tonight and everything. And there's this whole thing. She's like, you're not going to let me miss this game, right? And she grabs him by the chest hair. I know. And it's like, oh, you feel it. You feel it. Yeah, Just those yeah, top yeah. chesters right below the neck. And he's like, no, of course you can go. Of course you can go. Oh, it's <laughs> you, oh. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. You do. You feel it because you know it's like, oh, you know. But, yeah, that's Carla. She's she's not going to get – she's not going to take no for an answer. And Sam – wisely you know gives grants her a wish <laughs> we have to decide who's going to go with her and norman cliff are fighting over it and they can't decide and sam kind of suggests why don't you take fraser he's kind of down in the dumps and everything like that and uh, fraser goes a hockey game he's like, no thank you i've been to the bullfights in spain i've been to the altar with diane i think that's enough carnage <laughs> for one life <laughs> great line great line but he, they end up convincing her, and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll go with you. And uh, Carla's like, great, this will be the first time I go to a sporting event where I don't get groped. So she's actually like, happy to go with Frazier. Um, and then, a particular note, she comes back alone without Frazier initially, and she's super excited because uh, she said, like, Eddie stopped 40 shots, and um, she, <laughs> she says, Sam, I haven't seen someone have a night like that that good since Harmon Killebrew hit three homers off of you. And Sam's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure Sam wanted to be reminded of that. Um, yeah. One thing I, I just want to uh, uh, step back a little bit. There's one great line, uh, a couple of great lines that Diane gets off at Carla's expense um, mm. when she makes a reference how anybody who hasn't mastered birth control isn't good enough for jury duty. You kind of like, in a way, can't like falter for it. And she has another great line when Carla's lying about to Eddie about her age and all this other stuff. And, and Diane like just kind of swoops in and goes and walks away saying, yes, yeah, she's also next in line for the throne of England. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, you know, again, Shelly Long, you know, she is just a peach. She can deliver those, you know, saucy one-liners just so great, you know, and the timing is perfect because Carla's trying to impress Eddie and, 
but yeah, I, I again like I, I adore Shelley Long when you know she was the perfect. I can't imagine anybody else playing Diane, and you know even though she's not, she has her own kind of subplot. She still manages to get a little involved with the the main storyline here. I just wanted to bring that up. Right. Those two lines. Yeah, yeah. and then it is like, well, what happened to Fraser? Where is he? And yeah, yeah. Carl's like, I don't know. The last time I saw him, they were taking him away with security, and they're like, wait, what? What happened to him? And then before we get the answer to that, Eddie comes back, sort of distracting us from that, and and just Eddie orders a beer because now that the game is over, he doesn't need his um, what what is his drink? It's a um, so, um, club soda, club soda, no ice, two limes, and a red straw. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, every night. Um, yeah, but but after the game, he's fine. So he just orders a beer, and 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 Carla's like, "Yeah, sure, a beer." And she tells Sam to go get it. And then once Sam delivers it, she's very dismissive. She's like, "That's all, Sam," and like makes him walk away. Like, yeah, I just love that part. Of, Carla's probably one of the few people, you know, probably the only person who can get away with being that dismissive of a guy who's a you know he's her boss. I mean, he runs, you know, he pays <laughs> right. salary. But you know, Sam is not stupid. Sam knows that you know there's times when you don't want to mess with Carla. Right, right. And certainly he's still probably feeling his chest hairs a little bit. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, and then maybe tipping my hand, probably my favorite part of the episode when Frazier comes back and he gives us a whole thing about how he's back on bail. And, and I'll recite the whole line later. But he's like explaining to them, he's like, well, I kind of got swept up in the spirit of the the aggressiveness and the, the competition and he goes damn me to a junior college for saying it but i was enjoying myself <laughs> i just love that that's his like his uh his excuse for it, he has to say yeah frazier can't just go to a game and enjoy himself he's got to like psychoanalyze it and put it in you know academic terms to sort of justify the fact that he you know like got swept up in all the aggression and all the uh mm-hmm. you know the stuff that was going on at the game Right. And he explains that he uh, he basically got into a fight with some guy because the guy was wearing a cowboy hat and Frazier tried to be polite about getting him to say until he tipped it off his hat. And he's like, and then he handed the hat back to me with his fist in it. And, and then he goes, next thing I know, I'm in a holding cell at the North End Station House with the cast of the Road War here. Yeah. And that brings up a great line from Woody. Did you get Mel? Yeah. Woody? Autograph? <laughs> Woody, you know, he, um, Woody Boyd, I mean, Woody Harrelson, rather. Woody Harrelson just, I think by this point, he has just perfected Woody. Woody is now mm-hmm. no longer like a coach wannabe. He's his own person, and he's kind of in his own uh, his own little world, basically. You know, yep. where, he takes, yep. where he takes Frazier at, like, face value for being, you know, you know, because, you know, why would the cast of the Road Warrior be in Boston <laughs> watching a game? That makes no sense. But then again, it doesn't have to. It's a great setup because, you know, Woody just says it with such earnestness. And, you know, and, and yeah. it's kind of the point where nobody really even really reacts to, you know, they just kind of shake their heads and don't make an issue out of it. <laughs> and one of the few kind of contemporary pop culture references that yeah. Cheers didn't Cheers didn't do that a lot. Um, but, yeah, that was that was done to good effect. Yeah. Um, anyway, then Frazier and Carla are back and everything, and she actually tells him the truth that she's got these six kids, and he's like, I, I, that's fine with me. And then he goes in to kiss her. She's like, no, 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 don't kiss me in here. If people see it, they'll never stop razzing me about it. So they go outside, and then she immediately runs back in and shouts to, for everyone to hear, he kissed me! And they're like, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, I know. It's total, like, total contradiction of what she just said, but 
you know, yeah. that's Carla. She's she's falling in love. She's really becoming, you know, infatuated with Eddie. So, you know, you gotta, I guess you gotta cut us some slack. Mm-hmm. And so after after the commercial break, it's a few, probably a few days later, Carla, or maybe just like another, the next day or something, but Carla and Eddie are kind of a couple at this point and they're seeing each other and she really likes him. She doesn't want to admit it. She doesn't want to admit that she's that that into him. Um, Diane is really excited about her trial and Sam needs her to work and go upstairs and get changed and she mentions that she's been selected as foreman of the jury and Sam goes that's great if this change thing works out we'll make you captain of the bar he does, again doesn't care couldn't care less about this um, yeah, no, yeah, nobody does I mean if, if anything mm-hmm. there's a great scene where she's going on and on and then uh, Norm kind of looks up from what he's doing and says did Diane show up today? Yeah. Something like that you know <laughs> Like nobody's paying attention or they, they've gotten to the point where after all these years, you know, this is the fifth season. So this is the fifth year. They've just pretty much learned to tune her out when she goes off on these little rambles. And, you know, right. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine that's how you how you would deal with someone like Diane if you had to work with them day in and day out. Right. Um, then there's a nice little touching moment when uh, Sam talks to Eddie and he mentioned he kind of conveys the, the superstitious ritual that he he used to have with coach uh with, with ernie and yeah. and he would say you know he would he would go out from the mound to the third base and he would rub coach's head and coach would rub his belly and it's like the whole stadium of thousands of people would watch these two guys rubbing each other he's like after that we started doing it in the locker room <laughs> he's like pretty soon we just stopped altogether <laughs> it, it gave me like a visual of, of actually you know them doing that and you know remembering uh you know uh coach uh you know the great the late great um Nicholas Colasanto and I you know you could almost see that happen because they had that mm-hmm. kind of father-son relationship dynamic going on but yeah you know it, it's a great line it's just very funny because the way he like he just basically it you can hear the embarrassment in his voice and then you know, he just stopped, <laughs> yeah you know, yeah yeah he's you know he's he's not proud of it yeah um, and then Eddie says that he's not going to change anything about his routine, except he adds one thing and he gives Carla a deep and passionate kiss. Um, but then as he's leaving the bar, his wallet falls out of his pocket and Carla throws it to him and he catches, he misses it by, you know, three feet. Yeah. Um, sort of an ominous mistake for a goalie to not pick up yeah. his wallet that easily. And, and she kind of laughs it off. She's like, oh, quit being a goof and everything like that. But uh, yeah, the moment is pretty clear that there's something there. Um, and then we cut to the game. The game is on and everybody's watching and they're getting excited. And, um, <laughs> and then Woody's next great moment in this episode, he stands up to start leading them in a cheer. He goes, give me an A. And they're like, A. He's like, give me a B. B. Give me a yeah. C. And, the, and finally he gets the E and Norm is like, Woody, what the hell are we spelling? He's like, nothing. We're just doing the alphabet as a warm up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like just, I don't know where that came from, but it's just, again, it's one of those like throwaway gags that just fits in. It's, it's of the moment. And yeah, why are we doing this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Great, yeah. great. Yeah. Again, Woody, you know, Woody Harrelson just selling Woody Boyd and, you know, wh- where does this stuff come from? Where does, you know, where does Woody's, how does Woody's mind run? We don't know. We'll probably never know. And as the episode starts to, to wrap up, they're watching the game and Carla is over the moon excited because she is Eddie's girl. Everybody knows it. He dedicated his performance in the game that night to her. But in the 
final seconds of the game, he misses the shot and the Bruins lose. And as we hear from the announcer, he misses a shot that he should have stopped in his sleep. And she's like, well, you know, it, it happens. And they're like, yeah, yeah. It was just one, one bad luck thing. It's, it's no big deal. Cause you know, obviously, you know, Carla found the perfect guy and, you know, it's not going to come crumbling down in front of them. And then as soon as she's out of earshot, Cliff is like, that guy will be traded to like somewhere in, inside of a week or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, it's, they're typical like Boston sports fans, you know, they love you when you're winning, but the minute you lose, they'll, they'll turn on you. Like, you know, they'll just throw you to the wolves. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and of course you expect, and, and you expect that from Norman Cliff, you know, as soon as she's out of earshot, they're going to, they're going to speak their mind that, you know, and then like with his, with that sort of pronouncement that, uh, that Eddie's career in Boston might be in jeopardy and what that might pretend for the relationship we get the, to be continued. So yeah, this was just the, the first part of the story is not over, but, um, yeah, I, I really like this episode. I, I think yeah, it, a lot of it just hinges on Eddie and Carla and their instant rapport. And I just think they're, they're a really adorable couple right off the bat um, just because of Jay Thomas's performance and just being a, just a little bit socially awkward for her, um, but also very kind of like sweet and earnest in that performance. And, and you, you like those two so much that yeah, the episode is, is great. It's a lot of fun. You know, you can, you can fake a lot of things, but you cannot fake chemistry. And obviously, you know, with Sam and Diane, Ted Danson and Shelley Long had a great chemistry. Um, Rhea Perlman and Jay Thomas just really click. You buy that they are this couple that's falling in love and that, you know, she's really into him. He's into her, which is nice because it sells it. But it also, you know, the portents of doom are there at the very end when, you know, he starts messing up. And he starts losing, right. he loses, like you said, a, a, a maneuver he should have done in his sleep. So, you know, okay, obviously, you know, if Cheers does one thing well, they like to set up their couples and then tear them apart, so to speak. So, right. and, and, you know, that's, that's done for reason because happy couples do not make for uh, funny shows. I mean, even when Sam and Diane were first together, there was still a lot of underlying tension, a lot of battles between their, you know, differences, but uh, you know, Carl and Eddie, okay, getting along great. And then boom, he starts messing up. And, you know, this, we'll find out obviously in the next episode where this leads, but it's not looking too good at this point. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've already mentioned that, I mean, for, for anybody who's paying attention, he, he doesn't, he, he sticks around for, for more episodes than this. Um, and I, yeah, you're I mean, they, they do have a pretty good chemistry and it's um, unfortunate if you know the circumstances of why he's only in nine episodes and not more than that. You know, um, it's, funny. it's funny when I, when I, when he kissed her for the first time or the first kiss they showed on camera, I thought to myself, this is kind of ironic. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I don't know if we want to get into that. I, I, I think I'll, I think we can say that for later yeah, on yeah. down the road in yeah. future seasons when we yeah, come to it for, exactly. for now, we'll just focus on this part. Um, but yeah, overall a good opening chapter to the story. Uh, really enjoy this one. Uh, for Norm's tab, because we have a lot of, well, because in the teaser, he finishes the beer as he's leaving, and then he asks Sam to set him up. I give him credit for two beers in, in just that teaser. And then because we have some time jumps in this one, uh, he had six beers this episode, which brings him up to 451 for the series up to this point. Wow. Um for employee of the week, uh, I assumed it was going to be Carla for me, but after the rewatch, 
I'm going with Frazier as my as my hero for this episode. I thought he was my MVP. What about you? That's a good pick, you know, and I can see that. But I'm but I am going to go with Carla because she just really uh, pounces, you know, on this guy. She's really into him, and we get to see like you know normally we see the sort of menacing dark side of Carla. But when she's falling in love, she's like, she's totally disabled in that regard. She's, she goes from being someone who'll cut you down in three seconds to not being able to say a word to Eddie at first. And then when she does talk to him, she lies about her marital status and, you know, her age and everything. Eventually she comes clean. But yeah, no, I, I would give it to Carla in this episode. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Can't, I, I, I won't argue with that since she was my runner up after all. Um, but yeah, for the home run, and this is partly why Frazier was my employee of the week. Um, uh, for me, there, there's so many like good little moments in this one, but I just, I love when he walks in oh, just disheveled and everything like that afterwards. And he's like, Dr. Frazier Crane, noted psychiatrist, winner of the Mildred Bergen Fellowship and author of 27 published articles is out on bail. Just, just the way he says that like like even eddie looks back at him and is kind of like laughing at it like who's this guy <laughs> yeah it's a great line and, and it's definitely again you know kelsey kelsey Grammer just by this point he's perfected frazier he's really brought that character to a certain level where you know he can just say a line like that and it's just comic gold i, I can mm-hmm. i can see why you picked that one mine's going to go to woody uh there's a point in the episode where he says, boy, it sure is great to meet a sports figure in real life. <laughs> and, then, and then Sam says, to him, uh, Woody, what about me? And Woody says, well, I can't speak for you, Sam. I mean, you know. <laughs> All I know is I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's just a, it's I forgot a, about that. Yeah, again, you know, I, I didn't, you know, it just speaks to how Woody just, he's totally kind of clueless, but he's not saying it to be mean to Sam. He just totally spaces on the fact that Sam is a former, you know, uh, Red Sox pitcher. I mean, everybody in the bar knows that. I'm sure Woody knows it, but he just kind of conveniently forgot. But it's a great line. Right. And, you know, there's, there's other, a lot of good lines in this episode, but I just think that one stood out for me for some reason. I forgot that one, but that was good. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good Woody moment, yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, that is going to be it for this episode. Uh, Chris will be back to cover part two next week, but until then, if the listeners want to hear more from you, where else can they find you in the podcastosphere? Well, I'm on Facebook under my name, Chris Karam, and, um, you can also find my page for Mr. K super show. Uh, Mr. K super show is also on uh, Podomatic Apple podcasts and pretty much you know, your podcast or a podcast host of choice. Uh, we've got 36 episodes up, 36 of that, and then about six episodes of my sidecast, which is called The Pod Remains the Same, which is a Led Zeppelin podcast. So, you know, check them out, uh, join, you know, post on the page, listen to the shows and uh, check it out. I Please, you know, I, the, more, the more the merrier. Very, very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, uh, thanks again for being on this episode and talk to you, uh, well, as the listeners will feel like we'll talk to you, uh, in a, in a week. Um, but until then, thanks to all of you out there who are listening to Cheerscast and supporting the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website, as always, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. 
Special thanks to Ashford from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents, who sponsor this show. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcasts to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, we're closed. I guess the controlled mayhem of the situation made me more assertive. Well, so there was this guy sitting in front of me who insisted on wearing his cowboy hat. Well, I asked this Huckleberry several times to remove it, and he refused, and so then I just took it off his head and handed it to him, and he handed it back to me with his fist. And... <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm in the holding cell of the North End Station House with the cast of The Road Warrior. Did you get Mel Gibson's autograph?